0: Hey, welcome to Reflection as a Service. I'm Paul Merrill and I'm joined by- James, James Jeffers. And we're here to talk about entrepreneurship and software development. So James, how are things going, man?
1: This is a week all about positioning. I'm trying to figure out where my consultancy is going to land as far as you know, uh, narrowing who I'm gonna work with and how I'm gonna create value for them. And right now it's a confusing labyrinth, uh, but I think with the coach that I've got, It feels like there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I can't wait to come out the other side of that process and give order to chaos. Well, you look excited about it. Are you excited about going through it? Yeah, I think my wife's excited about steady paychecks. (laughs) If there's a steady sales stream, that means
0: steady paychecks. It's always good stuff, right? Well, cool. Well, um, I'm excited about our show tonight. We've got a guest tonight. We, we tend to cycle back and forth on guests where one week, we, what, what I've tried to do and what we try to do is when we have a guest, one guest will be for software development, the process of software development and all the things around it. And one guest will be about entrepreneurship. So um, one episode either coming up very soon or that we just did because I don't know how these are going to be ordered is with Chase Schaefer from Out of Milk. He started that company as an entrepreneur. That was his first venture and it was a really exciting story. So that's going to be fun to hear if you haven't already. Otherwise it may already have been out and have to look at it. I don't know how I, how I put these out, but we'll just go with that. Tonight we have Corey Bryant and a little bit about Corey. Corey is a creative enthusiast and agile evangelist. He is currently a product owner working for Ipreo, helping multiple teams find value with agile methods, building organizations to deliver quality software and innovative, innovate with products. Corey is also a co-host of Deliver It, an Agile Product Owner's Podcast. His background includes 17 years of experience in testing, management, and agile practices. More information can be found at about.me slash Corey Bryan, and that's C-O-R-Y-B-R-Y-A-N, and we'll get more contact information a little bit later in the show. But Corey, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you very much, Paul.
0: I'm really glad to have you here. Um, I listened to Deliver It the other day. I have not listened to as many of the episodes as I would like to to, um, to, to claim. <laughs> <laughs> but I listened to the one with you and Bob Galen. Is that the mm-hmm. first show that you've done with Bob Galen? That was the second one
2: I've done with Bob.
0: And I got to tell you, Bob, whether it's on Meta-Cast mm-hmm. or just talking to him or going to one of his workshops yep. or what, working, I guess working with him is the same way. Mm-hmm. He's, he just seems like a terrific, positive, fun guy to be around.
2: He is somebody that when I'm trying to explain something to people or when I'm trying to go through the process of you know, doing what I do, I always try to channel Bob and say, like <laughs> because I never see him get angry. I see him get excited, but I never see him get angry. And I have a problem with getting angry sometimes. So I try to go, okay, what would Bob, you know, Bob has a nice grandfatherly manner and tone. Although, he's he's, very, although he may not be the age of a grandpa. No, 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 no. I hear you. That's kind of But nice. he's very chill and when he explains stuff, and I love the that aspect of it, and I love how he tries to tell things. And um, He and, and Heinrich Nieberg, I try to emulate when I'm trying to go through things, so to get out of my own head and actually <laughs> be more effective. <coughs> well, so, I, yeah, Bob's a great guy. The, your podcast is about product
0: ownership. Product you're, ownership, You're yes. a product owner within an agile yes. world. Yes. And I know that you're at IPRIO and Bob has done some, he knows a lot of people at IPRIO.
2: He does and he that? does some consulting there too.
0: Okay. All right. I was trying to figure out some of that relationship, mm-hmm. but
2: have you worked with him in the past or is this your first instance? Of work? This is my third uh, time working with Bob. Oh, so, you've um, got so to... I've worked with him. I've known him for 15 years um, in the local uh, triangle community, doing uh, a and a couple other testing events. When I was doing that, he was kind of the, the first person that I saw that I thought, wow, this is really cool to be able to do this and hear somebody talk about this. And then it rolled into Agile and it rolled into a few other things. And I've worked with him um, briefly at other companies as well. So He's always somebody I I, I look for information for, uh, for good information for, and to help me get better at what I'm doing, whatever that
0: is. I love having people like that around. Yes. Yeah, you have to have them around if you want to develop and grow in your career. That's right. Yeah. I I would like to know more about the product ownership role. We talked a while back about different roles in different organizations. And one of the things that we did was, was we started talking about the team lead role and James and I talked a lot about that and kind of some of the skills that need to go along with it and the skills that you learn out of it and um, the problems that you encounter and all those kinds of things. And I'm wondering if maybe we can do the same kind of thing for the product ownership role, if you'd you'd kind of guide us through that. Maybe you can give us a little bit of your story moving into
2: product ownership and how that worked to give us an idea. Well, it started, uh, I was, learning about Agile was my first kind of aspect. I was interested in trying to pull testing forward um, as a test manager at a a company a couple years ago. Um, And I was looking for ways to do that. And with local Agile groups and reading and doing some looking around, um, Agile seemed to be a core tenant of, uh, or testing seemed to be a core tenant of Agile. So it was... Pulling that testing forward, I wanted to do more of that. I learned. I went to events. I listened to Bob. Listened to anybody that would talk about it. Um, got to the point where uh, we had some success with some Tiger teams at um, my last company, and we were working in agile fashion, pseudo agile fashion, because we didn't know what we were doing. We just read the book and the blog and said, "Hey, let's do that." Right. <laughs> uh, but it worked. I mean, that's the amazing thing is people had good experience with it. It worked. Um, I said, "That's great." Uh, I didn't call it agile because I didn't want to sell it. As agile, I wanted to sell it as, we can fix this problem for you right. um, as the testing manager. <laughs> That's a good and it thing worked. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and then they said, well, how did you do that? And I said, well, it's this thing called agile. And here's how you do it. And they said, oh, okay. And I wanted to do it more. And I said, you know, this would be a good thing to do as an organization for all of our software development, not just this one little uh, tiger team type thing. And they said, no. <laughs> I said, we're not interested in it. And I said, okay, but I am. So I, I'm, I'm big on you choose the way you wanna work and I'm gonna choose the way I wanna work and I wanna work in an Agile fashion. So I went looking for places that wanted to do uh, Agile and found that um, uh, my next job uh, was the QA manager and the tester uh, because it was a new group. And then they were starting a Greenfield project and they said, oh, we're gonna do this. We had an Agile coach uh, and they said, oh, we're gonna to need to do this in an Agile fashion and we're gonna make you, uh, the Scrum Master, and I knew how to do that role. I wasn't certified or anything else, but I'd done it at, at my last time. I said, okay, I guess I'll be the Scrum Master as well. Uh, after about two sprints of that, <laughs> and uh, the person they made the product owner was the dev manager, and uh, they weren't doing the role. They weren't writing stories. They weren't prioritizing. They weren't having the, the meetings. They weren't having conversations. They weren't informing stakeholders. I was doing that <laughs> as the Scrum Master. Uh, Because I knew it needed to be done. And at that time, my boss said, well, why don't you just be the product? So we started on a Greenfield project with eight people, uh, some of them in Cary, some of them at a vendor in Ukraine. And we grew that over two years to eight teams. I had four product owners. We had 80 total people. We had a 20-person design team in London. Um, It was the best thing I've ever done. Wow. And it's a high that I'm still looking to get back on (laughs) because it was so fun. Um, and it got to the point where, uh, that project went away and I said, I'm going to keep doing that. And so we tried to keep doing that and some things were more successful than others. But at a certain point I, I got, uh, there was a presentation that Heinrich did that I just bought totally into after I saw it cause it just clicked right yeah. and I said, well, of course. And it's culture eats process for breakfast. Oh, so it doesn't matter how successful you are setting up teams or products or processes, if you're company culture doesn't value those things, then it's not going to be successful. Sure. And I said, well, that's what I want. I want the agile culture. So that's what I went out looking for. Um, And I found the culture that wants to be there at Ipreo. So that's what, you know, we've got Mary there. We've got Bob coming in and consulting. We've got a lot of other really good skilled agile people coming there. And they're interested. They're From top to bottom, they're interested in, in moving that way. And I said, well, I'm going to help them if that's what they want then that's what I want so let's make that happen
0: that's cool yeah so so you are a product owner for one team over there or more than one team or one well, right now or?
2: so the the role that I've been in and I so I've done the product owner role at a team and yeah. multiple teams and I've also been the chief product owner or the product manager role if you're looking at safe type terminology sure. where it's um, there's multiple product owners or a team can have uh, a product owner and that product owner can be the product owner for at least two teams, if they're good. But beyond, when you have eight teams, or when you scale, look at all, you know, less safe, all these different scrumless, scrumless methodologies, there has to be some level of somebody who looks at bigger pictures than just team stuff. So that's the role that I've been at. Um, that's the role I'm at now. So I have five teams right now, wow. um, and we have four product owners that are working with those teams. Is that like you sort of like the um, portfolio uh, safe and, and everything that I'm, I'm, I've been beating the safe. So I'm sorry if I go <laughs> into some of those terms, uh, program is kind of what we're at. So we, we've got multiple teams on a product. That product is the program that we're working on. Um, if you have a suite of programs and you have a portfolio, that's yeah. how that terminology works. Right. but I, I try to keep it simple. Um, I just, there's teams and then there's <laughs> products and then that's what we we'll work on. So we have multiple teams that work on a product well maybe you could tell us what are the typical practices and responsibilities of a product owner so the the way i like to when i've presented and tried to teach people about product ownership before i start very simple it's what and when it's never how so i'm i'm as the product owner going to be the one that says here's the problem that we need to try to solve and here's the the highest priority problem that we need to solve here here's a list of 30 problems that we'd like to solve. Here's the most important one because X. And here's what that problem looks like. And describe it a little bit to the team. Um, That's all I'm supposed to do. I can't go into the team and say, use Java, do it in this class, do it with these things. And, um, you know, I'm not going to tell them how to build it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a great couple of visuals out there. You know, it's setting vision, it's setting goals, it's setting... um, outcomes that we want to achieve priorities. priorities priorities, and doing those types of things. So, um, Bob's got a great article and I, I've used it several times. The role is a combination of product manager, project manager, business analyst, and leader. We have aspects of all those things in that one role. Um, we don't deal with budgeting for the most part. I, I talk to people who are budgeting because we have to do things with budgets, but I don't control budgets. That's somewhere else. Uh, But I do talk to the teams about what we need to build, and we do talk to teams about what's the most important thing to build first. And we do talk to them about, can we get feedback on that pretty quickly? Um, So what and when is the the core of the role, uh, but not how. And it's supposed to not be how process-wise either. And I'm a big fan of the process itself. So I like the agile processes, I like the team structures, I like what you get out of it. So I get involved in that uh, to a point and then I go focus on product stuff because I just I like products I like building products. Gotcha. So uh, you
1: you said you're not determining the the how, but you're determining the what and the when. Yes. So how do you how do you go about determining? Okay, this this is the thing that we want to do
2: first. This is the thing that we want to explore the risk for. You know, this is what we want the feedback on. How do you how do you decide that? I usually decide that by talking to stakeholders, by talking to clients, by talking to teams about, you know, if it's an existing product, then what's the biggest problem that product's trying to solve? Why do people use that product? Well, they use it because they're trying to get information. Can they do that now? Yeah, but it's not easy. Okay, <laughs> why isn't it easy? Just ask questions, you know. The, 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 I, the game of five whys is an interesting one, uh, but it gets really annoying after about four. <laughs> or three. So uh, I try to change the, the types of questions I'm asking, but still the same intent, right? What is the main purpose of the product? What are they trying to do with it? What can't they do with it now that they need to? And how hard is it to fix that? Is it something that we should be working on? Is it something that's valuable for us to be working on? Valuable in a monetary sense? Valuable in a, a uh, maintenance sense? Value in a can we get this deployed quickly sense? All those things kind of factor into it. Um, so when I'm looking at things like, um, you know, what's the most important thing for the product to be doing today? If we had only one team and one developer, what would they be working on? And let's make sure we get the most value out uh, that we can.
1: This is the, is the role different in an agile context versus you can go to a shop where they're like, we don't do agile? Uh,
2: would they still have a product owner? they would have a product manager or a project manager um, and that person would be involved at the beginning of the process and the end of the process. So they would be saying, here's, here's our 40 page requirement document that we spent two months on and I'm going to go away for nine months while you guys build it. And then I'm going to come back at the end
0: yeah, and I'm going great. to tell
2: you that this is not at all what I want. <laughs> because that's what happens. But the right, product owner is right. involved throughout the process every day with the teams, Constant feedback, constant questions, constant asking and learning—the um, big aspect of uh, agile is learning and discovery. What? Well, and I just realized, you know, we're—we didn't actually
1: talk about like what agile means. So, I mean, I'm imagining most people that listen to us probably do know, because it's just come to This just the waters that we swim in.
0: But I think maybe there's a higher level definition you can give us. Sure. The high yeah.
2: level definition of agile. wow. Uh. I mean, we... Like, okay, uh, well, here's uh, a case, case point. Like my wife
1: okay. spent many years working for a very large uh, enterprise computer manufacturer, and they throw around buzzwords like Agile and Scrum and, you know, back and forth all the time, and I've listened to her talk about it, and I'm like, that didn't sound like anything like what I did
0: mm-hmm.
2: when I thought I was doing Agile. But so if someone comes to you and says, like, what does Agile mean? But What would you tell them? So it's, it's a good question because... I, when I'm interviewing people or when I'm inter- talking to people and they say, oh, I, I do the scrum." Oh, tell me about the scrum. <laughs> what do you do that is the scrum? Oh, I have a stand-up and it, we have it on the phone and it's 45 minutes and it's once a week. Oh. Oh, you, oh, you okay. do the agile, you right? do, you do the agile. <laughs> With the little eggs. To me, it is about, it's not about the practices. It's about the mindset. So when we're looking at, uh, you know, it's the, it's the four agile, um, principles or the values that they put out, which is you know the interactions uh, and, and you know the people and interactions over processes and tools. Right? We're more interested in in collaborating to build software that is useful in a very small chunk than we are in having a 12 month plan that is going to be wrong. It's just how wrong is it? So it's it's about iterating in small pieces. It's about learning as you go, and it's about <laughs> not thinking that you have all the answers me, um, because most traditional waterfall projects, they go through that planning phase of, this is exactly what's going to happen, and they are 100% wrong. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it's about it's about learning, it's about getting better each time, and admitting that you don't know some things. That's the big thing, is a lot of people go, well, I can't say I don't know things, but you don't, but I can't say that, because <laughs> right. then what would they think of me? Well, they'd think that you need to find it all, and then go do that.
0: And a big part of your job, it sounds like, is working with customers. So the customer is very important in yes. agile, being able to respond to customers' yes. needs, being able to respond to changing events and changing conditions, mm-hmm. um, react to those changes in a way that's yeah. helpful for the, the stakeholders.
2: Yeah, the reaction piece is a big thing. The, the flexibility, the, the say, we are going, we think we're going this way and we're going to build something that we're going to do here. We're going to have some feedback or we have some idea up front of what they want us to build. So we'll have some communications some conversations. We'll have a nice story to say, here's the development team, here's what we want you guys to try to build for us. Here's the problem we're trying to solve. They go through and they build that, they build a slice of that, a vertical piece. So I use the cake reference a lot, right? It's three layers. It's back end, middleware, front end, whatever. Uh, But that slice is what I want. I don't want the whole cake. I don't want just the bottom layer because I can't do anything with that. I don't want just the top layer. I can't do anything with that either. Um, I need that slice. It's some icing on it. It's a nice thing that I can consume. and When I can consume it, then I can get some feedback and said, well, I tried to do this, and I know I said I wanted that, but now that I see it, it's not really doing what I want it to do. I was hoping I could do this and this. Okay, we can do that for you. Or tell me why it doesn't do that. Where, where, What were you going for there? Get that feedback. Iterate on it again. I'm not worried about getting it right the first time. I'm worried about getting it right the last time. And it may take three or four times to do that. But each time we deliver value, and each time we get better. And at the end of it, the customers are ecstatic with what they have. They're not just, oh, that's not what I wanted. And we've done it in about two to four weeks. So maybe you could talk a
0: little bit about the, the different qualities that product owners tend to have. I, what we did with the team lead role mm-hmm. in talking through it, and I think that to me was very interesting. I hope it was interesting to our, our listeners. And I would really like to have a lot of feedback from listeners, you sure. talk about feedback yes. from your products. I'd yes. love to have feedback, whether it's by Twitter or by email. Um, whatever it is, you can find all that on our site, reflection a But, um, I would love to learn more from, from our listeners about this, but it feels to me like with the team lead role, what we were able to do was type, kind of identify skills that people might need in order to go into those roles. Um, and that was one key part of it. We kind of looked at it from the sense of, okay, I'm a person who hasn't done this role before. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds interesting. How do I prepare
2: for it? And I'll kind of leave you with that. So there's there are a few skills. So I mentioned the project manager, product manager, analyst, uh, business analyst, and, and leader. Uh, if you're coming from one of those areas, then it's you're already got a have a good sense of part of the role. Uh, if you're coming from other areas, like I was coming from a test manager, so I knew the practices, but I didn't know uh, the you know the requirement analytics uh, analytics side, or you know I, I've seen Gantt charts before. Uh, I knew how to put those together. So I was familiar with scheduling, I was familiar with all those things. Um, but really, I think some key attributes of a product owner are uh, creativity. I think being able to think um, of how you can frame this problem, uh, put it in a story, put it in a, be able to tell, hey, here's the problem these guys are having, they're doing this, they're having a positive report that's causing these issues. And every time they go up, they see this issue how can we work with them to solve that communication is big um, we're talking all the time we're talking to, to the, the feature team about building things we're talking to clients we're talking to stakeholders uh, we're talking to other product owners about you know making sure we're building the right thing um, so communication i think creativity and i think there is a sense of drive that needs to be there you need to be able to say i'm going to get this done <laughs> come hell or hot water Um, and there needs to be a sense of this isn't working, what else can we do? So have a little bit of, um, uh, I, I don't, I don't know the word, but it's, it's that sense of determination to say, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to keep trying new things. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to get frustrated when this one thing doesn't work. I'm going to try it again. And we're going to try something else until we see that there's no value left to be squeezed from this. I'm
1: thinking of a, a line from Heartbreak Ridge.
2: Uh-oh. Do you remember that? I, I don't know Heartbreak
1: Ridge. I know Ridge, the movie. Sorry. All right, so Sunny yeah. Switz is in it. And uh, his motto in the film is uh, to adapt and overcome. Mm-hmm. Like, no matter what obstacle comes up in front of the, you know, it's a very typical you know war movie where you take the team of underachievers and mm-hmm. he forges them into an elite, adaptable combat force that overcomes great odds, yeah. and at the end, uh, everyone's smoking cigars. <laughs> so that's what I thought of when you said, like, like we're going to try a bunch of things, and we're going to be resilient yeah. about the feedback we get, good or bad. Yeah. And, and we're going to find ways to kind of ooze around the problems, and eventually, we're going to get our way to the to, to goalpost. Yeah, I, How many metaphors I
2: that just mix it? Well, a lot, but I like, like them all. Um, I, I like the really idea and I've, I've talked several times, um, about plans plan. I, I like the, the Eisenhower quote, I think it was that you know, plans are, are useful until you hit the battlefield or something right. like that. Mike <laughs> Tyson quote, right? Everybody has a plan until you get hit in the mouth. Oh, <laughs> right? well, I thought you were going to say until you have to bite in the ear. No, <laughs> that's not his metaphor. <laughs> that's what he did. But I like the idea of, i having many, many plans. Because they're going to be wrong. It's just what do you do when you hit a problem in your plan? What kind of thing can you pivot to? What kind of things can you try? Um, I like having you know five six plans for what kind of stories we can have or what kind of things we could do because I'm not right. I'm going to be one of those things is going to be the right thing to do. I don't know what it is yet, so we have to figure that out. And I think that's a big part of agile. Um, you, you and I were at the triagile. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: conference recently and that's where we got to talking about this and you come on the show and I I really appreciate you being here It was a very fun conference um and I certainly learned a lot from it one of the things that I keep thinking about recently about agile and you just struck on this is that the teams are the teams are enabled and empowered to do things based on the situation on the ground and I think that's one of the key elements in at least the execution of of battle plans. Like Mm -hmm. if you were training in the military, if you were to go to West Point, I I have a feeling um, they would talk about if you've got a map, you've got the, the ground in front of you, trust the ground, don't mm-hmm. trust the map. Mm-hmm. Um, and, be, and and I think there is some ability there for officers on the ground to change the plan based on what's actually going on, I, I believe. And that's kind of what Agile does is allow you to change that.
2: It allows you to have those plans. Um, it's something that, you know, when we're talking about roadmaps, we're talking about what's coming up in the future. Um, I've, I've been a big believer in the last couple months of uh, or the last year that I don't put dates on roadmaps. Roadmaps are flexible, they're going to change, and it's just a conversation tool. It's not anything, It's not a release plan. It's not in 12 months we're gonna deliver these 16 things because they're on the roadmap, no. Is this the most important thing to work on in 16 months? I don't know, but I haven't done anything else with it other than put it on the roadmap and right. said, here's where that might come in. Because we've got all this other work to do that we've prioritized, that we ranked, and said these are the most important things. The thing that you're asking about We'll put it on the road now. Yeah. And the market changes so fast. Who knows? And it does. Yeah. Who knows? It, it, another reason that the nine month, 12 month project plans don't work anymore is because what you think, <laughs> what you think you were building 12 months ago, everything's changed. The market's changed. You know, because the, your competitors the system has are. changed. Technology's changed. Everything's changed. Your competitors are, are changed or they're out of that market or that's, and everything else changes as real as that, but you've been working on this plan that yes. You created a monthly or you know, 12 months ago and you've had change requests and you've had, you know, you've had to restart development five times and you've had to go back and analyze and do all the things that just suck in waterfall. <laughs> and I absolutely hate, um, to go back and do it again. And in an agile context, you'd be like, okay, yeah, let's, let's change it.
0: Yeah.
2: Let's see what happens.
0: We've been talking with Corey, Ryan, this is reflection as a service. We're here to talk on this podcast about software development and entrepreneurship. Uh, James, I'm enjoying this. I, I'd like to know. Do you have any questions about product ownership before we shift gears? I wanted to talk to Corey a little bit about his delivery podcast. You no,
1: know, because all the questions I had were, were pretty much about like you know the distinctions between in in agile versus not, mm-hmm. and does the role actually exist? And I think I think he kind of hit on that. Uh, and mostly because I, I'm getting exposed to more and more people who are not in the tech. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of the, of the fact that I'm having to manage my own business, and so sure. I'm talking to my customers, um, and so I, they don't have the same lens into the technical world that I did for mm-hmm. for how many years I've been doing this. So I feel like I, I have to spend a lot of time translating. You know, this is how software teams work. Like, why wow. does it take so long to build stuff? Yeah. You know, uh, why is it so expensive? You know, and I've got to explain all these things. So, like, my interest is figuring out what are the distinctions between, okay,
2: does this role, you know, what is it responsible for? Why would you want it? Mm -hmm. And I think we've kind of nailed some of those. And I think one of the things that's interesting is a lot of this stuff, uh, a lot of the lean practices and a lot of the early agile practices came from Toyota. It came from manufacturing in the, you know, in the 70s, 60s, you know, post-war Japan. Um, You know, uh, the big a big person in both the testing space and a lot of the agile space, um, was Deming. Uh, you know, a lot of these processes he put in place in Toyota, America wasn't interested at the time in these processes and Toyota was cause they were rebuilding. Um, so it's manufacturing base, it's actual, you know, putting people on a line and, and getting them to work differently. Um, and then they've adopted it for software, you know, 20, 30 years ago, um, and now it's at the point where I would say the majority of companies that are operating, at least in the technical fields, um, are probably using some form of Agile, um, whether it's Scrum or Lean or XP or some practices like that, even if it's a, if it's a Scrum butt <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or type of organization. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, I use it for my show. I use it for planning purposes. I use it to remodel a bathroom. I used it for what drove my wife crazy. I, I use it for... <laughs> Just about every aspect that I can, I use some form of Kanban, or Scrum, or some type of Agile thinking. Just because it's, it, the practices are what is important to me, not the process.
0: One of the things that was so interesting to me in my experience of working on Agile teams was that the teams are enabled to do these things they're empowered and you can, it felt like you were the owner of what you were doing Mm -hmm. and you could take liberties with it and try things out and really take responsibility. Um, especially in getting around, um, problems, getting around challenges, finding your way through it with the team together. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of, a lot of that is very entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was very natural uh, in a lot of ways to step out in in entrepreneurship. And I think I I kind of found that resonance about entrepreneurship by doing agile in in a lot of ways. Um, and so, you know, that kind of brings me around to one of your entrepreneurial Mm -hmm. pursuits, which is your deliberate podcast. Mm -hmm. How is that going? What's it about? What has that shed light on in terms of your working in agile processes? In terms of your product ownership
2: role, I'm asking about five Oh, no, it's fine. Um, I, I mean, I started the podcast because I wanted to talk more about product ownership. Um, I was at a place where I didn't have a lot of people um, that were working with me that I could train. So I was working as a product owner doing the stories and acceptance and working with the teams myself. Um, and I, I trained some people and, and they had them work for me and I didn't have that and I was, I was jonesing for that type of you know let me help you uh here's how to do the role and um i was getting a little frustrated with where i was at with i couldn't do the role the way that i had been doing it for you know three four years and i needed some creative outlet for that uh so i said i'm going to start a podcast uh because i was listening to one of my podcasts i'm a fan of podcasts to begin with i was listening to one and it was uh they were talking to a director And the director was talking about a movie that he was making or something else. And he said, you know, he said, if what you're looking for doesn't exist, he said, why haven't you created it? And I said, well, hell, that's, let me go look. And I had been looking for a product owner's podcast. And there's lots of agile podcasts out there. Uh, You know, Bob's got a great one. There's a good one by Leading Agile. Um, There's lots of other good ones um, out there, but they're not focused on product ownership. And I said, well, that's a good niche to kind of get into. So I convinced one of my former coworkers who was a product owner and I trained her. Um, and I said, will you talk to me, just like we're talking at lunch, about a topic every other week and we'll record it and put it on the internet. And she said, sure. So we did it and we were um, 35 episodes in. Um, I'm, I'm being very uh, I try to pace myself with it. So I'm not trying to do it every week. I'm trying to do it every other week because um, that's a good pace for me with work and family and all this other stuff. Um, but it's something I wanted to do uh, to have an outlet to talk about product ownership. Um, and I just like creating things. So I like the process of podcasting. I like the editing of it. I like finding music. I like doing the art. I like doing the show notes. I like, you know, the big bag I carry with all my crap in it that I do to set up and talk to people. <laughs> Uh, And it's great getting feedback from listeners that, Hey, I was listening to this and it really was a good topic or, Hey, can you talk about this in a future exit? Yeah, we can do that. Um, I like that aspect of the show. Um, And it's a good, and I still don't know if it's, I think it's still the only agile product owners podcast out there and being able to get Bob on and being being able to get other guests on that um, either know the role really well um, or have something that they're, talking about the role. Uh, Bob's got a book out um, and he's doing classes on it. Uh, talk to other people that are uh, doing the role and talk to designers, talk to my, my, uh, my scrum master that I've had for two years about working with a scrum master and product owner. So uh, again, the role stuff, yeah. how do I talk to a scrum master? How do I talk to a designer? How do I talk to a tester I had, Marion, to talk about that? So the yeah. interactions between those roles um, are key. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going great. I love every aspect of it. Um, I'm trying to get better at it because the first ones, um, as we were talking about earlier, the first ones are going to be bad, let them be bad, <laughs> get better later. Don't worry about it and just keep going. So yeah, I've, I've sunk a little bit of money into it. Um, now that I've been going for a while, but it's, it's great fun.
0: Well, I, I like it. It's, I, I have, um, I have audio jealousy with your
2: podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have oh, yeah, acoustic, yeah.
0: acoustic jealousy. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> you, you've got a really good sound there. It's um, it's a terrific podcast. That latest one with Bob Dylan, I don't know if it'll be the latest when this comes out, but a, a recent podcast with Bob was terrific. Yep. And I listened to um, at least one or two others before that. And, uh, you know, it's it's a good show. I think you've got a lot going on there. And um, I hope some of our listen, listeners will jump over there and give it a whirl
2: yeah if, if they're interested in product ownership at all um I, I there's three places that i tell them to go the first place is always go to youtube and look up Heinrich nieberg's scrum product ownership in a nutshell it's a 15 minute video it is the best overview of product ownership that i can think of it's a great overview if you're interested if that kind of lights your fire and you want to learn more Bob's book, "The Scrum Park Ownership: Balancing Value from the Inside Out," is in its second version now. That's a great follow-up because it goes through a lot of the aspects of it. Third, I say listen to my podcast <laughs> because we—I <laughs> I to right. dive. I in, think you're right. I try to dive deep into things like that to have conversations about. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons that I really like the podcast um, is because the same reason I like going to Agile conferences and meetups and everything else is because oftentimes you don't get to talk about these things these specific things that you want to talk about um, until you go to places like that and you meet like-minded people and you can talk about, Hey, here's how we do our stories or here's how we did this as, as a uh, way to accept the story. Um, and when you, when you, when I hear from people that are in Norway that they're the only one in that city that is doing product ownership, I'm their lifeline. Yeah, And this gives them the ability to say, there's somebody out there talking about this that I can relate to. And I really like that. that. Those are the people that I go, okay, that's worth another you know two months of shows for me because that person expects that from me. Awesome. Um, I, there was a couple lessons that I was going to be determined on when I did the show. So before I did episode one, I said, I'm going to do this every two weeks without fail. I'm going to have an episode that launches at 12.01 PM every other Wednesday because the worst thing that I've seen around podcast is not being consistent. You lose your audience. Um, and I don't wanna lose the, uh, the the small and dedicated audience that I have. And I'd much rather have a small, dedicated, informed you know, feedback audience than have a thousand listeners right. or whatever it is. Uh, but the consistency of both releasing, content, and quality. So the audio issues, I obsess over those audio right. issues, right? A little bit too much. But that's okay because it's it's fun. What's your thing? Yeah. It's what so I doing. like doing that. I like preparing a good show. I like, uh, you know, I spent weeks looking for music. I I had five hundred different title suggestions that I drove my co-host and everybody else crazy with before <laughs> I picked one. Um, I like that process of uh, discovery. I like that process of. I like the process of learning about things. Um, so, um, you know, using Audacity, we talked about that for your podcast. I'm learning how to do Adobe Audition, which is a much more complicated product. Um, and I fail at it very often. And I fall back to Audacity when I can't do something. And I say, well, I can't do it that way. I'll go back and do it this way. But I'll, I'll get better. I'll try it two or three more times. And then now most of my editing is done in, in Audition yeah. um, because I can do more things with it. And I, I can have fun with it. Cool. Cool. Anything you want to
0: ask before we wrap this up, James? Tapped out on questions. <laughs> tap, tap. Well, I think this is great. I, I hope that listeners have walked away with a better understanding of the product owner role. Mm-hmm. With a little bit of information about who Corey Bryan is and what gets him going. And uh, and, and some of your story and, and where you come from. I think that it's always helpful to do these things because people get to know you. And the people that are going to work with you in the future get to know you a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the exposure in that regard is good. But um, if you want to learn more about Corey, go over to uh, Deliverit. the Deliverit podcast. You're on, I assume, iTunes. So it's Google on iTunes, Play,
2: Google Play, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, it's DeliverateCast.com is the site. Um, you can listen in the, in the browser if you, if you want to. And then uh, the show is at delivercast on Twitter.
0: And who are,
2: how do we get in touch with you? Uh, I, on Twitter is usually the best way. I read a lot of Twitter. I don't tweet a lot, but I read a lot on Twitter. Um, I'm at is Corey Brennan, C-O-R-Y-B-R-Y-A-N. Excellent. Well, Corey, it's
0: been a lot of fun. Thank really you very much. It. We're really glad to have had you on. Um, I look forward to getting to know you better over the years, um, and, and, hopefully get to work together sometime. I think that would be a lot of fun. Sounds great. Um, once again, this is Reflection as a Service. James, I think it's another, another episode here. I think we, yep. It's in the can. It's in the can. Well, except for all the editing you have to do. <laughs> Well, that's uh, that's the fun part, right? I get to I get to play around with the audacity and figure out how it filters, compressions, <laughs> all that fun stuff. Cool. Well, thank you so much for being here, and uh, we really appreciate our listeners, every one of them. Did you
1: want to give a shout out to Thomas, or I, Tom, Tom, for helping us? I do. Is that all right, Tom? Sure. Okay, Thomas,
0: Thomas Clark has been here listening to us record. We've actually recorded a couple episodes tonight, and he's helping us out, kind of talk about the sound quality. And some of the editing and those kinds of things is gonna give us some some cases. Thanks so much for being here and for yeah. helping us out. today. awesome. Good time. Yeah. Cool. Thanks everybody and we'll catch you next time.